So since the, like, I think back to, like, the Dark Ages, mm -hmm. people endured some of the most terrible things. So when I hear that things are getting bad now, or things have never been this worse, it's like, no, I think... I think humans have endured much worse. But, um, Colton, you almost started a little war today. Why don't you tell me about it? Okay, Jesse. I didn't start a little war today. It was uh, last Friday, but it was still kind of an interesting story. So I'm still relatively new on my new job. Uh, this Boston kind of guy, thick accent, kind of short but very old, came in and it was just like, I'm looking for these damn parts. Where are these damn parts? And I'm just like, okay, let me see if I can get them for you. I made a mistake, which is perfectly fine, considering that I'm one of only two people in the store. So I asked my manager to give me some help. Then about, I think I made the guy sit too long or something, but then he got really aggressive. He was like, I just want my damn parts. I just want them bad. And at this point, we got a uh, line going out to the um uh, out the door um uh, and in the middle of the line you hear dude just settle down they're doing the best they can here and uh, i just want my damn pots <laughs> no that's literally what he sounded like i just want my damn pots i know it's funny that's cool <laughs> but um he was just like just calm down let them do their job and then uh, they'll get to you and then he turns around and is like I, you want to go? You want to go? He said, he said, he just went straight to, to like, you told him to. No, to, no, no, no. This other guy, um, that was in the line. Oh, it was somebody else talking to him. Yeah. Okay. Well, cause it was really me and a manager. That's it. Cause yeah. I, it was night shift. So he was trying to join in and get but, him to chill out. Yeah. He was, <laughs> well, because I think he could see that. There was really no one there. We the line was stacked, yes, but we were doing the best we can. I tried to refund this. Well, yeah, hey man, if I'm standing in line, I see somebody grinding the customers at a place where I'm trying to get good business, mm -hmm. and they're sitting there hashing them. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm gonna say, hey guy, chill, you know. Well, it wasn't. He wasn't heckling customers. He was. I'm um, heckling me and the manager. Well, no, yeah, employees. I meant, yeah, yeah. right. Well, then he ends up um uh, running to the back saying, "You want to go? You want to go?" My manager immediately jumps out. He's like, if this goes to blows, then we're going to get the cops in here, and this is not going to be any fun for anyone. And uh, the guy backed off a little, backed off a little, and he, the guy that bugged him in the line, he was just like, see, we can all be a civilized man. Let's get this over with him. Stay calm. And he's like, he turns around, and the guy goes, the guy that's uh, causing all the stir, he's like, I will come back there, and I will get some guys, and we will punch you out. <laughs> And I mean, it was the 60 some odd guy challenging like a 20 something year old guy. Dude, that reminds me of like two five year olds. Like, I'm going to punch you in the face. Like, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to I'm going to punch you right in the face face like you know how little kids are just you, you like like you can you can spar but yeah. you never hit in the face you sure know? but a little kid would just i'm gonna right in the face that's what he sounds like he's like i'm gonna get some guys and we're gonna go back there and we're gonna get you <laughs> like, are you gonna get me oh i mean yeah <laughs> 
Well, he, the, so the manager ended up calling the cops after that was said. And the guy got his money back and he stormed out of there before the cops showed up. Mm. I'm uh, kind of surprised that no one wanted to press charges. The cop was just like, hey, do you want to press charges? I'm like, you wait a minute. A, a cop showed up for what? Um, Because uh, the manager called the cops because it oh. was threatening physical violence. The guy was sitting there threatening and he wasn't leaving. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. So he just. Okay. Oh yeah. All right. All right. You're telling me. So he was. He's. He's in the lobby. Yep. He's freaking out. Yep. Other customers are they involved still yeah. or? Well, no, no. As soon as are they, the police on their way or what? As soon as there? the manager says so he's gonna call the cops, the other guys step away, and then the guy goes back to being quiet and just being, "I want more damn money." <laughs> so it calms down somewhat. Cop guy gets his money. Cop comes in not even a minute later, and is like, "Anyone want to press charges here?" And everyone's like, no, because he was heckling him, which is me, um, to get his money. And I, he, the cop's like, you want to press charges? I'm like, he didn't physically attack me. He didn't even really hmm. verbally assault me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why. And the cop's just like, okay, if he comes back, let us know. We'll get take right, we'll take him to the slammer. <laughs> Dude, so <sighs> I had completely forgot about this. What? Your story reminds me of something that just happened last week. Last last week. So, uh, <laughs> man, we were at uh, the real theater. And that's up, up, that's up, up on a line, yeah. Okay. And uh, on Tuesdays, they got, um, it's like a dollar for a movie. And okay. so uh, my brother and I were there. We can wait. We watched a Dumbo. It was pretty cool. I don't know how I feel about that. But he that's... wasn't really into it either. Are you, maybe it's maybe it's just like my. You got to be a little older to dig it. I don't know because he 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 was just like Dumbo, isn't my thing. You know, he well, grew up with Toy Story. Well, I mean, granted, Dumbo was really good way back in the cartoon forties kind of thing, but the fact that they're re um they're doing live action re renderings, it's kind of uh, why. Why oh, destroy? Oh my God! It was amazing! It was amazing! Well, visually, I could see where it's. Visually... Did you watch the movie? Um, uh, not really. Right, shut up. Well, I mean, amazing. just it was amazing. <laughs> just looking at just looking at it from the trailers, it looks visually stunning, but it just doesn't seem like it can match up to the like story girth that it had in the in the one in the forties, like uh, where it was just really just him trying to. Where Dumbo was just trying to yeah, find Yeah, they mom. didn't have the, the crows. Yeah. They didn't have a couple things in it. But, you know, if you watch that cartoon as an adult, you'll be like, oh, we, maybe this cartoon did kind of suck a little bit. And well, I mean, racism, all the that. The movie, dude, was amazing. You know what? The, it was really dumb is that they, uh, he, as a, a spoiler, <laughs> is that he had to snort this uh, feather. <laughs> okay, so in the cartoon... He just had to hold it. Yeah, he just had to have the feather and be like, yeah, I got this feather. I can fly. Well, in this, he, he would snort the feather. And, like, it wasn't just the one time, like, oh, I got this feather. I can fly. Okay. No, it was just like, where's my feather? All right, let's fly. Like, it was just like, what? You can't fly unless you snort the feather and you do it, like, every five minutes throughout the movie. What? Like, very, very weird. And, and something else is weird is that it turns from a white feather into a black feather. If you, if you, if you watch it, it, um, I feel like it like changes. You're getting off key slightly. 
okay, so yeah, man. <laughs> Come strolling out of Dumbo. And uh, all right, the guy that works there. Yep. We, he, we, he grew up in the neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I love his family. We grew mm-hmm. up together. Um, but his older brother, mm-hmm. right, was just, I don't know, kind of a wild kid. But uh, he would he would fight. He, he would get in a lot of fights. He was, he was a fighter. He was always throwing his fist. He wouldn't take it from nobody. He would th- throw back. Like, he was always, like, but... It was a funny thing is that he had this baby brother, mm-hmm. JJ, and uh, a kid grew up, man. He's a tower. He's as tall as his brother was back in the day. They're just tall, tall kids, long blonde hair, and and just has that fire, like just this fire. Like JJ is actually like he seemed like probably one of the coolest people I met like he's he's so kind and and responsive and chill and just really peaceful feeling with him but we come walking out of the theater me and my brother and he grabs us he's like hey guys um is it cool if you hang out for a minute we got this guy over here and he's trying to start a fight with us and uh we just need you to hang out until the police show up in case anything goes down. Witness? Well, back up, you know? He's like, hey, man, it's just me with these girls here, you know? And I was like, yeah, okay. So my brother, he's a felon. He's like, I ain't hanging out. And he's he's headed for the door, which was closer to the guy. Oh, no. Where it was funny because the guy is yelling. He's at the door yelling. He was standing outside the doors at first. And then he came in when he kind of saw JJ talking to us and us kind of looking, you know. Like, you guys talking about me? I'm going to come in here and get involved, you know. So he was obviously very drunk and was just ranting about his stuff. I want my backpack. And he's like, you're going to get your stuff. You just need to chill. We're getting it for you. And he kept ranting. And... um he kept, you want to go, you want to go? And my brother was standing there inside the doors. And the guy, like, flinched at him, like, what? Like, you know, like. Wow. And David stood there, like, 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 like he was watching TV. Like, like a bouncer, kind of? Like, yeah, I guess. Like, yeah, like he was watching TV. Like, oh, that guy just flinched at somebody. You know, like, sure. you know, he, he saw the whole thing, but the guy saw the look on my brother's face. <laughs> it was funny. I saw the guy reading my brother's face was just like, nope, <laughs> like, nah, I'm not going to mess with that one. Like, <laughs> no. And, 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 but when he did that though, he turned and JJ was behind the counter. Nice. And was like, oh, hell no. Oh. He wasn't having it. And he flies over that counter with his long daddy long legs, right? <laughs> boom, boom. He took take a step pretty much. And he was over the, this counter. Flies across the, the lobby. Wow. And the guy, like, they had to have, like, 20 years in age difference. Because JJ is, like, he has to be in his early 20s, if not 
still mm-hmm. a 19. You know, he's yeah. a young guy. He, maybe he's older, I don't know. But uh, this guy was older mm-hmm. and, but, and, and had fought. You could tell. He, when, when J.J. jumped over that counter, that guy was like, yay, I'm getting what I came for. And like throws up. And he's just like, like boxer stance. He's like, come on. And JJ came on and got punched. <laughs> was it like straight up MMA type? It was like a whop, whop, whop. And, oh, like Rocky. And, and, uh, <laughs> and once that connected with JJ, he was like kind of backing up like, nah, uh, we're not fighting, but you're not doing this. Like, he... <laughs> Unlike his brother, see, if, if Levi would have taken a hit like that, there would have been, it would have been like seeing red. Like, that guy would have been taken out. He would have lost his job for what he did to that guy. Okay? Oh. So, but JJ was a different kid. He, he he took the hit and was just like, what the hell? And and kind of, kind of snooped back, which was a good idea because he was going to end up taking a lot more hits. That was going to end up being a fight. And me and my brother were standing there, and we would have got in there. It would have been a... It, it would have been a yard sale. I was kind of upset when... Because uh, I was standing in between the whole thing, and, and he had to run past me, JJ did, to get to the guy. <laughs> and when he did, I was looking at JJ like, real freaking cool, dude. Way to keep the situation on the DL, you know? Nice. You jumping over this counter and chasing that guy across the lobby is the last thing that is going to de-escalate this freaking situation. Damn. Yeah, so... Did, was there any punchline after the fact? Because mine kind of did, funny enough. Dude. Like, just like where they came back and they're like, oh, this is something we could laugh at at the end. <laughs> None of that? Well, um... He he left and uh, um, because my brother had left and uh, when he left, he went the same way as my brother. And my brother's walking through the parking lot, think going, please don't come over here. Please don't talk to me. Please don't talk to me. And like for any reason, please don't talk to me. Did not talk to him. So he was lucky. He got in his car and drove off. Yeah, and um, when I saw him driving off is when I was like, okay, I'm, because I was kind of more concerned about my brother. Yeah, I was just like, where's you? Where are you going? You following my brother, you know? And uh, when when I saw David, and I was like, okay, well, you know, he, 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 the word was he was walking down the street that way, and the police were on their way, and I'm standing here going. My fingerprints aren't on anything. Okay. See you guys later. Turns out I get a free movie and a popcorn and a drink. What do you think you're going to go see next? For being such a hero. <laughs> what are you thinking? Uh, Marvel. Captain Marvel. I haven't seen it. Hmm. Got to see Marvel before I see Endgame. The only thing I think about Captain Marvel... Or no, I've seen Endgame. What's the... Uh, it was Endgame? Maybe it's Endgame. Yeah, it was Endgame. Yeah, I got to see Marvel before Endgame. Because Marvel's in it. Uh, you you think she would be that big? She really wasn't. No, she's not. But it's it's the story. You can't just You can't. You have to glide over. So that was your story. So the end of mine was pretty, it was even better than yours. 
So the guy ended up, uh, after all said and done, we got the guy that was uh, trying to calm a um, crazy Boston guy down. He came up, he was a pump, and I'm just like, here's my options, blah, blah, blah. Here you go, have a nice day. Turns out I was the wrong one. He came back the following morning because I was working graveyard and then the morning shift. And he's just like, man, that guy last night, that was freaking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like he was just uh, making jokes and laughing his butt off about it. It was great. We, I got him the right water pump, but he didn't have faulted on me. He thought we were just all a little shaken after that. He just kind of played it off as that. So yeah. we laughed about the following day, which was just like, wow, dude. The fact that you're still laughing about, that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, that's and, cool. Well, and it was funny because he said that the old the Boston uh, guy kind of reminded him of his stepdad, kind of abusive, kind of an a-hole, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, well, I wouldn't have taken it if it was him, so I wouldn't have taken it if it was this guy. I would have still punched his lights on we'd call it good. I was just like, wow, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, he's almost like a regular for me. It's kind of shocking. Shocking? Yeah, shocking. <laughs> Dude, I'm in shock right now. Why is that? I've been in shock all day. Well, we getting into the deep I stuff, aren't we? I was scrolling on Facebook and I saw my cousin on a missing persons poster. Whoa. And went, this is a beautiful little girl. She's probably 12 or 13 years old and missing. Um... This is very bad. So and should I, can I cut you off for a second and just say that this is going to be like the deep stuff, the most recent deep stuff in our lives uh, episode? Well, you know, you said it was shocking, and I'm going, I don't know. I'll tell you what's shocking. Well, I mean, because you kind of <laughs> talked about this earlier, but I mean, between my fight, you're kind of... and then I'm one-upping you is what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I mean... No. <laughs> we, <laughs> Not a... We can call it one-upping, but I feel like in some uh, um, dumb way, this is also like deep stuff that if we're going to be out to the people, we might as well, well make it seem human, right? Dude, no, that that at the real theater <laughs> made an impression on me. It was it was frustrating. It was like, what the hell? What's happening to my city? You know, what's going on here? I go down to McDonald's and I get hassled by crackheads and people on heroin, people on all kinds of drugs. This guy followed me into the store and stood next to me. I ordered my food and he goes, yeah, I'll have a Big Mac. And I look at him and I go, I look back at Tom, the guy that helps me out every night. I, I love go, Tommy. Yeah, I go, I guess I'll have a Big Mac. You know, <laughs> like, I guess I'm getting this guy a Big Mac. You know, like, obviously I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. I wasn't intimidated in the situation, but I was just like, this guy is ripped out of his brain, and if if he want if he needs a Big Mac, let me get him a Big Mac. It, actually, he had a empty coffee cup in his hand. I was like, let's let's get you a refill of that too, buddy. <laughs> but uh, anyway, shocking your cousin Milkern go. Dude, no, man. I'm freaking scrolling Facebook, and I see a missing poster in her face, and then I see her sister commenting broken hearts and cry faces and sad emojis. I'm going, what the what? You know how nothing's real on Facebook. Well, Except I'm like, hold the phone, you know? And so... uh, Breaks, breaks, breaks. Dude. And I got this guy calling me to go help him go to the food bank and so I'm like yeah I'll give you a ride to the food bank so I go pick him up and I'm in shock that's what made me think about it you said 
It was shocking. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was in a state of shock. Of course. Going, oh my gosh, I hope my cousin's okay. And I drive them to the place and they took a while and um, we go to the vineyard. They have an awesome facility there. Gosh, their food bank is so cool. The one up here, the St. Vincent de Paul too, that's a awesome. Dude, the food banks I'm finding, no wonder why Boise is the best place in the world to live. The, our homeless are so well taken care of. It's ridiculous. But anyway. Um, Hashtag live in Boise. Haha. <laughs> We're full. Idaho's full. So Don't um, do it. <laughs> there's a... Um, we're on the way back, right? And the guy's girlfriend looks familiar. So I kept, like, checking her in the review mirror. I was like, you look familiar. And um, she had gone to this camp trip, this reunion camp trip that we had every year back in 2012. And even talked about building that hot spring. But, uh... And we were talking about hot springs and all this. But, man, so stopped at a light. And there was about four cars in front of me. And they started going. But a few cars ahead, they stopped. And it's like I had just put on my gas. It was like, we're going. Boom, you know. And she stopped and I slammed on my brake. And it was like, bink, just wasn't going to happen. So I got a nice ticket. It was my fault. And I just ran into that lady just like people do in traffic when, you know, when you're not a drunk, drugged up criminal, dumbass doing something that, you know, it was just like, hey, we're driving down the road and I bumped into you. And so we had to pull over and call the police. And I was trying to tell her, I was like, you know, I've, I've known people that handle these things without police. And, and this is a thing that we can do. She's like, no, we, we better do this. And I go, you know, if anybody's hurt or anything, there has we, we better call the police. And so uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, because if there's no criminal act in play, yeah, you know, but, um, Dude, it's not sure enough, the officer was like, yeah, we had to write you a ticket for, uh, following too close. And he even apologized. He was like, such a cool cop. Everybody involved was awesome. Like all three of us, you know, I was so cool. No. But I mean, like, no, that other lady, she was really nice, understanding, patient, um, she was catering to the other three in her car who were freaking out. Were they little kids or were they just... Uh, there is, they, were, they were like teenage kids and they were just bawling, but they were responding to their passenger. Their passenger was this lady who was already in the state of hysteria. She was already in the state of, ah, and she was crying and she was having the worst day and those kids were sitting there watching her just flip out and then all of a sudden, boom, the car gets hit. And so she just loses all the cookies and the house of cards falls down and her whole world just shattered. And so the driver had to go and calm her down. They actually got the ambulance out for her and to check her out. And I don't know, the insurance company said she was injured. I I don't know. Uh, I think she was just more shaken up. And the, the driver, too, she kept telling me, she was like, oh, she's got blood pressure issues. And so... 
you know, my insurance, man. I didn't have my insurance card either, dude. You're talking about shock. I was already in the state of shock when this happened. Undoubtedly. Okay. So when it happened, I wasn't shaken up at all. No adrenaline rush. No nothing. I get out of the car. I had to watch for traffic and be real careful because, you know, when you have an adrenaline, like all your all your senses are heightened. You can jump out of the car knowing there ain't no cars coming. Man, you can look. You, you, you know, I had to be really careful. My my, I was just really just chill and went and talked to the lady and was like, well, you know, her car had zero damage. And we're like, look, we both have insurance. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like, look, I, I've seen people handle this without police so let's let's see if we can do that she goes no my friend here is freaking out so let's call the police we're like okay but uh what happened was wasn't until i left you know when we were wrapping up i told you earlier how cool it was how i i asked the lady i said you're christian she said yeah so i was like well is it okay if we pray she goes sure and the officer comes up and gives us the last of her paperwork. And I asked him, I was like, hey, man, you want to pray with us? He said, yeah, sure. So we all stood there and prayed together. And that was, you know, like. Burn like, had been lifted. Well, well, it was it was it was a cool moment. The, whole, the time I, I was I was praying I wasn't thinking about the situation. I, I was actually distracted by what my grandpa said. I, I had just talked to my grandpa, um, I don't know how many weeks ago, uh, if not a month or more. I don't know how long ago it was that he died at the age of 96. And um, the last thing he said to me was, there's always time for prayer. And I held his hand and I prayed with him. And so when I offered to pray with everybody, I was just, that's, that's what it was on my mind. It's like, there's always time for prayer and I'm doing so good. My grandpa and I love him so much. I mean, that's what was really going through my head. But what I was saying was like, you know, thank you, Lord. And, um, heal us, you know, heal our minds and our hearts because this, this is, this is hurting these kids. You know, it's scary. A thing that just happened and take care of us, you know, and, you know, I was, I was praying comfort and healing and in prayer sure but uh <laughs> yeah man it wasn't until i left get in the car and it was so funny she was a hugger i was i was standing there if i would have said can i have a hug she would have gave me a hug because i'm a hugger too man my dad <laughs> he 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 was a big time hugger and you know but i i i kind of hesitated on that i was like you know it's okay but uh I keep hesitating. When I went to leave, I drove through the parking lot to head out, and we were right by my house. Um, ah, dude, all of a sudden, I just got so emotional. Just like immediate emotional. Just like, I just want to hug all those girls. They were in there crying. There was a fuck car full of uh, teenage girls. Four ladies and they were crying and um the older lady was the mom of the one kid and i think the other daughter of the sister and the aunt something anyway but uh 
Daryl, I just wanted to hug him and tell him I'm so sorry for scaring you and making and happen this happening and and just comfort them. I and and and, and it was just I just started crying and, dude. I am in awe. And the Lord has orchestrated and and cared for everything already. He's paid for the ticket. I got somebody coming and they helped me out with money to pay for that ticket. But uh my friend CJ was talking about if he was going to come on the trip or not and uh was like yeah man you need to come with us. And uh I didn't have room in my car cuz I had this kid coming with me. And I really wanted to ride with that kid too. He was a real cool kid, um, really just big inspiration. And I was gonna get some quality time and get to talk to him, get to hear his thoughts, you know. And, um, but instead, like a couple other families had already communicated with his grandma and worked out a ride and everything and and I didn't know that. So and he didn't know that either. So he he was communicating with me and I was communicating with him and kept telling him I was like, "Look, dude, I need to talk to your grandma. We need to make sure you got a ride, socks. You know, you, you got to make sure you got all your stuff and food and everything you need to go on this trip and warmth and shelter and everything. And you got to make sure kids, you got to make sure all their needs are taken care of and I had to talk to his parent, you know. And so Finally, I got a hold of her, and she said that uh, he does have a ride with another family. Cool. I was telling my buddy he can ride with me, which is kind of a relief because my seatbelts just blew out. So Because of the impact? I can wear my seatbelt. It still fits me. Yeah, but it's locked. Like, it doesn't retract in. And the other one was on a bigger guy. So if that kid got in that seat, he wouldn't be strapped in safe. Okay. And it's like, okay, it's it's probably best that he doesn't ride with me. And I didn't even have to express that to anybody. It's like the Lord orchestrated everything already, had everything taken care of, had his ride taken care of, has CJ. So CJ come to him. And I had just ministered to him last night. I read some of the word to him about his mom who had died. And he... Um, had told me that he wanted to see her in heaven. He knows that he has to start going to church and reading his Bible and getting close to the Lord. He wants. He doesn't want to miss out on seeing his mom again in heaven. And so... He's taken his first steps. You know, kind of. And, and yeah, kind of. It's amazing. He's he's taken some steps, but this was like some serious, like a decision, a choice you make, you know, in your heart. Sure. And so, um, the Lord showed me a scripture, and so I I busted that out the other day, I think last night, and uh, and read it to him, and it was really vague. I'm not really sure if it landed, but I. Um, because it wasn't when I, when I had it in my mind and I looked it up and I go, huh, I don't know if he's going to really understand this because it had like a whole chapter ahead of it. It was by faith, this person endured this by faith, this person endured that by faith, by faith, by faith. And it named all these people. And then it, and then the beginning of chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse okay, one, that was Hebrews. It, right? it, it says, it says, um, something about the cloud of they're they're a cloud of believers who who encourage us in the race and so um 
I wanted to express to him. I said, look, that's right here. She is right here. She's in that cloud. And she's encouraging you in your race. She knows you where you're at. She's encouraging you in your race. And, and um, I think it did encourage him. Today, he comes walking in and he said something about being sober-minded. And I was like, that's really cool because it's really rare. He, he's on painkillers all the time. He has chronic pain. And and he, he drinks and he's in suffering. And there's, there's, he's not, he, he's a really, he's a, he's a good guy. But um, we all have he's in bottle. so much suffering. So um, when, when he was telling me, he goes, man, I, I feel really sober-minded today. And then I told him what happened. And he just... For the years that I've known him, I would have never guessed that he would have just jumped up and do this. Because he must have just saw the look on my face and he said, do you want to pray? <laughs> I want to cry right now. I can't believe those words came out of his mouth. He just comes up and, dude, do you want to pray? Do you? He saw that I needed to pray. That prayer was the answer. It was like, what? So, you were hoping... In the, on the outside, you were just like, this is so cool. On the inside, you were just like screaming at the I'm top going, of your lungs. I can't believe he just offered to pray with me. I've been ministering to this guy for, and, and, he, and he knows that it's time for prayer right now. And the miracle, the miracle that I opened my mouth to pray and the only words I could say, because talk about being in shock, dude. I, I, I was in shock. And the only words that could come out of my mouth was, God, I need you. And I just went silent. <laughs> I'm getting choked up. It's perfectly he, fine. When I went silent, he started praying. And he started praying for me. Oh, such a righteous prayer that was perfect. And it was... It wasn't preachy. It wasn't needy. It was petitioning to God. And it was just, dang it, CJ. Wow. Why do you got to make me love you? You know? <laughs> um, And it just, it was like. <sighs> it was the beautiful shock that we had all been kind of waiting for in its own weird way. Well, it was, it was healing grace. Um, you know. Something happened to me when I was 17 years old. I was attacked and beaten and tortured. Yikes. And, Talk about uh, shock right there. You know, we're only 34 minutes in. I could tell that story. Yeah, well, it's uh, going kind of with the theme of shock stories, but great endings. Okay. It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nice. No, so, like, you know... Um, <clears throat> Are we done with that last set? What were we just talking? I just told that story I, about the CJ and about all CJ coming in and praying with me. What a what a proud moment! Oh man. Anyway, okay, so yeah, okay. Now, something that happened to me when I was seventeen years old, and this was the end of the school year, so I was just a few months before turning eighteen. I turned eighteen in November, and this was in June, and. Um, what happened was uh, I went to a party 
I used to be a troublemaker, and I used to hang out with a lot of people, and um, when I was really little, we, we lived across the street from a bar, a sure. biker bar. It was run oh, by boy. Brother Speed, <laughs> and um, so the neighborhood, it was like, it was a, there was heroin, and there was just all kinds of meth, and just all kinds of... Not good. Hectic stuff, and all the all the drug addict parents had kids. They would come to my parents' house, and that my mom's house was the block house. Was it like the safest place, or was it? It was the safest. Okay. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> please go on. <laughs> because you know we were drinking and smoking, and but it wasn't nearly what like heroin and coke and all that other no, crazy. And that was the thing is that I it was it was my family we we saw that stuff and we're just like that's not allowed on the property that's not allowed at the party those people aren't allowed in the group like when that person started hanging out with that person and we know what they do well we're gonna watch you and if you turn into them guess what you're not welcome around we're not gonna we're not gonna keep calling you you know like set some rules had some had some authority and I became very resourceful at a young age and my brother didn't want to run the business that my Sarah my Sarah I always call her my Sarah <laughs> my sister Sarah had hmm. set up that sounds like an interesting band name but I'm just getting I'm digressing along with like connections that my parents had and just tons of connections in the neighborhood and everything and my own connections and Everything when my brother wasn't up for it, I was just like, "Well, let's go." You know, eventually you have all these people looking at you, going, "Well, what are we gonna do today?" And it's so funny when you have human beings and a big old group of people mm -hmm. looking at you, going, "What are we gonna do today?" And you can literally be like, "We're gonna go down to the park and sit in the grass and play sepa," and they'll be like, "All right, let's go." Like, you can literally tell them anything. We're going to go down here and trash this guy's house. Like, we're going to go do this. We're going to go do that. Like, it was ridiculous. Yikes. But you step up. You know, there was no leader in the crew. Sure. None of those people would say, yeah, that's my boss. I follow him, you know. But there was a number of us that were the administration, you'd say. The hierarchy or whatever. <laughs> well, and especially in my age, like, um, they were all older than me. Oh, so, so you... So they all had their circles, but, like, at, in my age group at school, mm -hmm. like, there wasn't anybody above me. Like, there was other people that had maybe in other areas, and there was some people, obviously, I wasn't, like, the most aggressive guy, so I didn't go around... Like, there was some people that, like, <clears throat> I wouldn't aggress. But at the same time, like, I had a lot of resources at my fingertips that I didn't get messed with. And, um, you know, when you have that kind of resources, you have respect. There's a lot of respect that goes around. And there was some dudes that wanted my blood so bad. They're back then, people either wanted to be me they wanted to have sex with me and that goes for guys too yikes i got i had stalkers i had weird things happen but uh or they want to kill you and that goes for the stalkers too um some days they might just want to kill you and not have sex with you but uh you know man there's guys that just 
despise you just for being you and sometimes they despise you for something you really did maybe i maybe i cheated on your sister maybe i said um, something bad about smacked you. your little brother in the hallway and just didn't respect him maybe i was just disrespectful to you you know yeah. like saying things behind people's backs and I'm stuff completely oblivious no no i, I actually uh i didn't i didn't um gossip i uh i you should feel blessed. I was you. really, I was really a different kind of guy. I was, I was an island. You know, there wasn't many people close to me, and so um, I Just, kept, I kept a large group around me to cover for that. You know, there was always about twenty to fifty people around. I can say this from experience. Be glad you weren't that. I made, I did it once, and it was never fun for me again. What did you do? I um uh, said something bad about one of my dorm mates. Oh, uh, gossip. And, yeah, I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, believe me, I only did it once, and it ruined uh, junior college for me. Let's just leave the story alone. It's true. It's so, true. pro tip. Um, but uh, back to the story. <laughs> back to the story. Um, I'm kind of way off the subject. I'm talk. I'm drawing, but I got to draw this scenario I, so I that you know. I think you it pretty good. Um, what's going on here is that I had, I had people... Tell me about me. I, there was rumors going on about me. Somebody didn't know who I was. They'd tell me a story about me. Then I'd tell them who I was. You know, there was people that I'd introduce myself to, and their their eyes would get this big and go. They'd look me up and down, and you're Jesse Snow, like you. That you are him, like him. Like I I, I had I had a reputation. But it, I had an amazing reputation. I mean, I had a lot of sex. <laughs> I had a, a lot. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know. I helped a lot of people out too. Uh, you know, making friends and stuff. But so back to the troublemaking. Now, we. This was way late in the game. All right. A lot of people had grown up, a lot of people moved on, a lot of people that were younger than me that I was just like, you know what, I don't want to deal with you jarks. I, I had went through some stuff, I dealt through some stuff, and was back at um, Bora after going to alternative school, and I was back at normal school, and I was like, okay, um, you know, I don't want to, I could have easily rooted myself throughout that school and had all of the connections because of my skill i knew how and everybody was waiting for me too i showed up and everybody came up like like soldiers reporting they came up and were like hey jesse i heard you're back what's going on and they all wanted to know what was going on and it was just like nothing i had to tell everybody nothing was going on and um it was Everyone has heard of the, at Bora has heard the name Snow. He's like Boogeyman, but way better looking. <laughs> no, not, in, not even Bora. Actually, I was more famous at South. I'm just but like, throwing stuff. even still, like Bora, Bora, I was a legend. And so there was a lot of people that never met me that did hear about me at Bora. But then um, now, like, I can't go to the grocery store or the mall or anywhere where there's people without somebody working there. 
you're like, hey, Jesse, you know, like, this is a small town. If you grew up here, you recognize people from around. So it's, it's people recognize me still all over the place. That I'm like, I don't know your name. I don't, I don't remember you. Like, uh. that, that happened, well, with my new job, that's going to be happening to me. Well, plus I did a lot of drugs, so I didn't remember a lot of people's names. Like, okay, it, was, it was more, I had, I had, and that was back, like, before, well, I had a cell phone. That was back before anybody else had cell phones. Like, my parents had to buy me a cell phone to ease up the ringing phone at home. Yep. And I had, like, this little black book, and it had everybody's phone number. Anybody that mattered, I had all their numbers, and I could get everybody together. I would throw parties, and... I would party plan and, and drug deal and just do all kinds of different things. I'm digressing again. Mm, you know, I'm way, I'm way over here. So it, everything was dying down at the end of the years. Everybody was moving on. And um, we were at this place called the Punker House. There was these punkers. They were going to BSU down here. Okay. And that was the thing. We were all coming out of high school into college and you know in my game in the game that we were playing the step up the to to move up in that was to be i would have had to start carrying a gun and like start being more violent oh i was already a little violent and i'd already pressed a little weight like getting people to do things but like nothing like this level i would have had to like defend myself I would have had to intimidate. I would have had to protect myself. So, like, I already didn't want to do that. But we were at this party, and it was kind of this ongoing party. And it was like, my dad had just died, uh, like, a year before this. Okay? And we were just getting over that. And really just looking at life going, you know, man, I don't want to continue partying like this my whole life. And just really dying out of it and kind of backing out of it a little bit but we were just at this house that we kept going to where these college kids were you know the party never ends with college kids and punkers and so and they were all a bunch of whitey tidy turds from some town moved to this city and they would all talk to us like jerks because they were in college i was like you're a punk Dude, entitled. You're gonna freaking talk to me like, oh, you don't need a little kid at your party, dude. I wouldn't invite you to my freaking party, you punk. You know, so I didn't like this these kids, but um, a couple of my friends were hanging out there, so so we were there. And now what happened was this guy got out of prison. Oh. And he went and did this deal with this other guy. And it had to do with meth. And, like, remember, I, I never told anybody shit. But a lot of people did it in the neighborhood. But, um, so, something went wrong. And, see, the guy punched him in the face and, like, broke his jaw open. I heard. Oh. I already wrote. Had to have his jaw like surgically, like fixed. Restitched. Like, oh my gosh. Like broke his face wide open. And if you knew this guy that threw the punch, you'd be like, "Yep, that was him." Like you'd, you, you knew. You didn't want to get hit by this guy. Like, he roughed me up my whole life. He was such a punk. He was. He he's a jerk. We won't get into who he is and what he's about. 
But um, just slightly coughed his name. <laughs> we grew up together. He's he's you know always gonna be that guy. Part of our growing up, but um, so he ended up going back to jail where he was safe, and uh, these these thugs brought up these hitters to come take care of Charles. Shit, I said his name. But uh, you can edit it out. Uh, it doesn't matter. Everybody knows he's a fucking wacko. But uh, so they came up to take care of him, and instead they found my friend, and um, who was there at the time during the incident. Well, they found him at the party we were at, and was like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go smoke this joint. Why don't you come with us?" And he was like, sure, man. And he's like, hey, who better to invite to go smoke a joint than my buddy Jesse? So he comes and grabs me. And he's like, these guys want to come do this? Come with me. I'm like, cool, man. Nothing I haven't done a gajillion times. So we hop in this car and we're driving down the road. And he's like, why don't you pull up here to this park and we'll, we'll hang out and we'll burn it there. But while we're driving, he's like, looking in his pockets and searching his pockets and looking under the seat and like being really sketchy and we pull into the parking lot and sure enough he's like oh i can't find that joint it's gone i can't find it and he was like taking time like he'd gotten out of the car and was like looking under the seat and the driver was looking at him like dude i don't think it's in my car because it's not like they they drove around a lot together but um in the meantime, these two guys come walking up, and they, they walked by. I saw them walk by. So, you know, <clears throat> now I was drunk, and I was an eccentric little kid, and uh, I get out of the car in the middle of the night. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going, I could pee right here in the parking lot, but you know what? I think it'd be really funny if I went and peed in the bathroom. That would just be ironic and funny to me at the time. So I remember all these details, right? I went and was walking towards the bathroom and these two guys that I saw walk by earlier approached. And they're like, hey man, do you got a lighter? We got this blunt and we don't got a lighter. And I was like, well that's convenient because we got a lighter and we just lost our joint. And he's like, we'll call your friends over, we'll go do this. So I called them over and the guy, the driver stayed in the car. And the other guy came, and my friend came, and we went into the bathroom, and, like, I don't know, I can give some weird details, but, like, basically, it went dark, and the one guy goes, hey, somebody light a lighter, let's get this thing going, and <clears throat> his friend lit a lighter, and I saw a reflection off the chrome of the gun as he cocked it and put it in my face and said, on the ground, nigger, you're going to die. And, um, like, I had a gun in my face. I'm not going to fight a bullet. I'm not a bullet stopper. And so immediately I lay down. I hit the ground and, like, started praying. I just started praying, Lord, don't let him kill us. 
excuse me. But uh, so they started. I I could hear. Like somebody came out of that bathroom stall, and started kicking us, and like they started kicking us, they started fighting. John started fighting them because John's a fighter. And he just started throwing fists. Well, he didn't have the gun in his face either. but And the light went out. The lighter went out. And he just started throwing fists in the dark. Probably punching the brick wall. And like messed himself up. But um, the other guy that invited us to the whole thing bolted. He slammed the bathroom door open and ran. And later it turned out he thought that the whole thing was supposed to just be an ass kicking. And like... Um, or a, a talking to or an ass kicking at most. And um, he was just there to set us up, to get us there, to get John there, and I just happened to be there. And so, dang it. <clears throat> Need some water or something. But, uh, so, I had the gun in my face and I got on the ground and started praying. I could hear them fighting and I and they were they were beating me too. Like like they kept kicking me. There was there was a lot more than two of them, because some people came out of the stall and some people came in from outside too. They had, they had the they were waiting for us to be there. It was a whole setup, and um, so they just beat us for a while. I remember at one time they like they kept putting cigarettes out on us on a different couple of different places on our body on the back of my legs and stuff and i remember that didn't hurt at all like the burn was just like a bee sting it was just like a little pain and the cigarette you know just went out you know cigarettes just go out it's not like they sat there and long burn you know they didn't do it right they just put the cigarette out on my leg you know i heard them dropping a rock they kept throwing this rock it must have been that big by the sound of it they kept dropping this rock and um throwing it at his head and and at his body at my friend john because he fought they were pissed at him and 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 tortured him a lot more than they tortured me but uh they tortured him into a coma he was in a coma for three weeks and uh i was out of the hospital within three days um, but what happened was they were, I could hear them torturing him and they were torturing me. And at one point I thought, maybe if I convince them that I'm not going to go to the cops and that, you know, just to stop doing what they're doing and to leave us alone, that they'll just stop, you know? And I pushed myself up and I was on my knees in the poetic position of being in a puddle of my own blood on my knees begging for my life and the answer was um a knee to my nose which is broken still and deviated which i've gotten fixed but it's still messed up but and then as I went down, so so he, he kneed me in the nose and my head was between the brick wall and the <laughs> knee. And so it crushed my nose. And then when I went down, I was followed by the pistol whip. And I have a dent in the back of my head Yikes. from the pistol whip. And that knocked me out. So I learned to not beg for your life 
in a puddle of your own blood. If you ever get the opportunity, don't do it. So, um, they pissed with me, and I, I, I was knocked out for a little while, and then I came to, and at that point, I was like, okay, I just went completely possum, and I could hear him torturing him, and they were torturing me, and they rolled me over, and they, like, stole my shoes. It was so funny, because I had worked all day, and it was late at night, and I had just gotten off work, and, um... I hadn't had time to change. I changed my shirt and I was still wearing those black kind of khaki pants and I had this button up shirt. I was dressed real nice because um, it was it was uh, graduation day for the seniors. It was their last day of school. So they were having these parties and this was a big deal. I was only a junior at the time and uh, it was my end of my junior year and um, what happened was they were torturing us they stole my shoes they took my shoes off and they were like oh man his feet stink <laughs> and they put my shoes back on they were these really nice silver Nikes <laughs> that I bought for track and uh, um, sorry I got nervous I see that I, I mean some of this that. stuff is just brutal holy cow I'm doing on a straw you're scaring the crap out of me <laughs> like, <laughs> okay anyway go okay, on okay so um they rolled me over and started undoing my pants. And oh my God. a guy goes, what are you going to do? And he goes, I'm going to cut his dick off. And I heard the knife open and I felt him go down there. And like he was going to do it. Like he was in the middle of doing it. And I was playing possum this whole time. I was like, if they know I'm alive, they're going to torture me more. And I, they felt my pulse and they're like, yeah, this one's dead. And just like kicked me again, you know, and because they thought I was dead. They couldn't feel my pulse because I'd lost so much blood. And it was such a light pulse. But um, so when they went to cut my dick off, I had to lay there and just pray like, Lord, just please, you know. Just, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, I wasn't crying to them. I was crying to God and. One of them was just like, he, he said something like along the lines of, yo, put that shit away. That's, that's sick. I don't want to see that. <clears throat> you know, he's like, that's sick. I don't want to see that. And, and so they, they put it away. And I, I still have a penis. <laughs> so uh, there's that. And they tortured us for a while longer. And then they tied us up. Um, they tied my eyes and my mouth and my hands way early. I, I don't remember what point they did that. And then they were carrying us to the car. And I remember them all talking. There was a crowd of these people. And what they had done, they had like made like a wall so that they could carry two bodies to a car without anybody driving by and seeing, you know, or anybody, a neighbor seeing or anything. Sure. And so they had that many people were involved in um, dumping these bodies. And I remember them asking, does anybody even know these two fools? And everybody was like, no, nobody knew us. Except one guy was like, yeah, I know him. That's Jesse Snow. Like, I was like, so gross. 
It was like, where did you people even come from? Who are you? And and I'm pretty sure that a lot of those people did know who we were. They just weren't speaking up. Mm. And um, they carried us. They were carrying me face down. They ha- I had my hands up and they had my feet and my hands like this. Mm-hmm. My hands were tied and my feet were tied. And everything was all bloody. And what happened was they got to the car and there was concrete under me. There was um, the road, you know. And he slipped. How? And m- I fell with my hands. Yeah, he slipped with my hands. And so I fell and smacked my face. No, dude. It was worse than that. They were swinging me up into the car and and slipped. And I smacked my head on the bumper and then my face on the ground with him holding my legs up. Right? And then they, they picked me up and stuffed me in there. And, uh, cause they thought I was dead. They had felt my pulse. They were dumping mm-hmm. dead bodies at this point. And he had been snoring. So they knew he wasn't dead cause they crushed his throat. He was making this snore noise. His, his tongue was going back in his mouth. But, uh, so we started driving and, um, I knew where we were. I, I, I know Boise. I, mm-hmm. I got a map, so I knew we were going up Vista. I knew we were going out towards the desert. I knew we ended up at the tank, out there at that old army tank, which isn't there anymore, which is weird, because it's one of those things you always hear, like, oh, I heard they removed that, and, like, they actually did, <laughs> finally. But uh, it's where they dumped us, outside of Boise, out Pleasant Valley Road, and I remember... They had pulled him out first and and dumped him and then grabbed me and dragged me over and set me up. They set me sitting up. It was really weird. Um, They took the blindfold off and the gags off. And um, when they did, there was like a blood puddled up in the thing. So when they took it off, it splashed down. And just in the seconds that I had been sat up, I had blood coming out of my head. And they took the thing off. What came out of the blindfold splashed into a puddle of blood already in my lap. Like there was, I had so much blood coming out of my, my head. It was just ridiculous. And, um, so I was still playing possum, but they felt my pulse. He goes, yeah, this one's alive. And they, he hit me again real hard. And, um, they, the whole time I was conscious, I wasn't going to respond. I didn't, ow, I didn't, you know, nothing. I, I did not respond as if I was dead the whole time they were torturing us the whole time I didn't respond besides the begging for my life so um I watched out of the corner of my eye the head the tail lights you know disappear mm-hmm. off into the down the road and there was like three cars that drove down and disappeared and so I get up and I go for for John and go over to pick him up and I hear him moaning I'm come on man we got to get up they're going to come back they're going to kill us they're going to make sure they're going to finish us off you know we get we got to get up we got to get out of here and I was just freaking out every scenario in my head was just survival you know run go and um get to safety and so I uh was trying to lift him up and he kept slipping I would like he was a lot of muscle and I was a lot of loss of blood and very drunk 
and like just you could smell the I was a waste. Blood. I was a waste, and so um, I couldn't lift him. I kept lifting him, and every time he would slip, <laughs> he would fall and hit his head on a freaking rock on the ground. He'd hit his head on the ground, and every time he'd, uh, he would moan. I was like, dude, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. And he kept moaning, and that was really weird that he was in a coma that whole time. But, like, he kept moaning. And um, what happened was, like, uh, he, I couldn't get him up. So I started walking down the road and I was being really stealthy and slow and like looking as far as I could, trying to get my eyes to adjust and just seeing any movement, you know, lots of adrenaline. You can see everything. And um, except this one thing, I'm walking up and all of a sudden there's a truck parked right there on the side of the road and I'm about five feet from it and I about crapped my pants and jumped behind this mound of dirt and crawled all the way back down that dirt road. I crawled on my stomach all the way back to John. Just commando because I didn't want him to see me. I didn't want them to know I was alive and I didn't want them to come down and finish us off. And I was sure that that was them watching us, making sure we didn't come down that road. And it turned out it was not. It was somebody up there on a date. And um, they saw the cars go up there and dump us and leave. And when they saw me coming down the road, it scared them. And he got out of his truck and, and to see what was going on and got back in his truck and they left. And they didn't leave. They were there for a long time because something else. But like um, what happened was uh, they ended up finding his wallet. He dropped his wallet when he got out of the truck. So that's how they knew who that was and what their story was. Because... I crawled all the way back to John, tried to get him up a couple more times, hitting his head on the ground. And then um, I, I I got down on my knees and I got down as low as I could with him to just hug him as much as I could hug him and kiss him. And I kissed him and I I was crying and I, was, I couldn't save him because I couldn't carry him. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had to apologize. I'm sorry that I can't save you and I can't carry you. And I was, I just remember just being apologizing so much. And then I started crawling. I crawled up over that pile. There's mounds of, of rocks and stuff. And I crawled over it and got into the desert and just crawled off into the desert until I found, I kept seeing these animal holes. And every time I would crawl past one, I could feel like just a temperature change. Like it just felt warmer there. Like, I had lost so much blood. My body was not keeping me warm. I could feel the air. <laughs> okay? okay? You know? Like, if I crawled past the animal hole, I could feel it was a little bit warmer. And what happened was I found this spot. It had these, like, five holes in in this, in this like, a crescent. And I was like, okay, maybe this animal had dug down and there's a burrow under me. I'm going to lay on top of this burrow and that's going to be the warmest place in the desert. <laughs> You're laying on the ground, okay? You have nothing. The warmest place to be. And there was these um, sage, some sage brushes there that blocked the wind, mm-hmm. which was nice. And I had to stay low because that truck was there far into the night. 
and I kept seeing that silhouette of that truck and I would crawl real real low and lift my leg and pee because I kept having to pee I was full of beer I, I, I drank a lot that night I was full of beer it was a party and um, I had my nice shirt on man my nice shoes my necklace and my hair I was just chilling but um so man my favorite shirt got just ruined forever and those shoes were ruined but anyway I kept getting up and peeing and every time I'd get up there would be a puddle of my blood for my head where I was and I couldn't lay back down on it because it was so cold and I would change places and so eventually there was a couple there was all these puddles there was like three or four puddles of blood laying there and because I, I would just like turn like a clock sure and um eventually i quit doing that though because i was like no i'd rather just re-warm up a spot than mm -hmm. than warm up a new spot i learned so I, I started doing that but like throughout the night until the sun came up and it was like twilight okay just just you can see you yes. know there is light right mm -hmm. and i start hearing Like a cow mooing or something. Like cows. And I was like, is there cows? And then I start hearing, John! John! And it sounded like really like strained. Like somebody calling out into the desert yelling for John. Right? <laughs> and I was like, Maybe somebody's trying to wake him up. Maybe they came for him. Maybe they're torturing him. Maybe, like, I thought they were torturing him for a moment, you know? And I kept hearing him. I go, they're people. And I was sneaking towards the people. And that truck was gone. And I was sneaking towards the voices. And then I started hearing, John! Like, I thought they were trying to wake him up. And I go, that's got to be my friends. And they're trying to help. And I go, help is here. And I got, because I was like crawling yeah, towards sure. the noise. And I got excited and I jumped up and I was running. And I, I hit that mound of dirt because I had to crawl over it. Mm -hmm. And I going that fast and I hit it and I just crawled up over it and I could see. And there he was laying alone in the road. There was nobody. I thought it was people. I was hearing people. And there was nobody and it was him, and he wasn't calling out his own name. He was just moaning. He was just in pain and suffering. And I went over there and pulled another slip drop, tried to get him up, you know, try to wake him up and lift him up. And you stay here, I'm going to go get help. And I went to the road. And I looked down the road both ways and I said, okay, I know where I'm at. That way's town. And started walking. Turns out I was wrong. <laughs> I would have walked out into the desert towards the prison. And, uh, but that's what was going on at the time was the shift change at the guard shift at the prison. So otherwise there wouldn't have been a lot of traffic on that road. But there was. First lady pulled up. And I remember she was kind of an older lady, a little heavy set, but she was nervous. And she goes, she told me, she rolled the window down. She goes, do you need help? 
I said, yes, please. I go, me and my friend were just beat up. I, I said, I'm just a kid. We were just beat up and jumped and dumped in the desert. And I told her, like, I, I got out one blurt of a sentence. And she goes, well, I got to admit, I'm a little scared right now. And I said, oh, please, I'm just a kid. And I took one step towards her and she gunned it. And she went, just her car was gone. And I, I dropped to my knees and was just going, please, like, why? Why are you leaving me? Like, I, I didn't understand why she was leaving. And about that time, another guy pulls up and around and parked. And he's like, you okay? And, like, he was another guard. And I, I started pointing and yelling and telling him what happened. And, um, like, throughout the night, I had been picking dry blood off my face. Mm-hmm. It would dry, and I would pick at it, and I just picked it off my like a whole mask. Mm-hmm. I just took the mask off. It would cover myself. I'd take the mask off again. It's kind of what I did throughout the night. That and pee and pray. But um, so the guy was looking at me just like, just jaw dropped, and and so I went to go look in the mirror into the window, the reflection of his car window. Mm-hmm. To see my face. I wanted to see, hey, did I get it all? Sure, sure. Did I get it all? Is there any more blood on me? Yeah. Right? And I went to do it and the guy warned me. He said, I wouldn't do that if I were you. I've never been warned to not look at my own face. You don't want to be warned to not look at your own face. You see these scars? Yeah, that was all that. Okay. And so he, uh, I just showed him my scars on my forehead, but, um, he goes, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And I looked and I was unrecognizable. Yikes. It was like a flat basketball featureless. There was no features. Like it was just like a basketball. Like there was no cheeks or chin or nose. And it was like a foot why like it was huge like um my head was so swollen from the beat down like it wasn't the same size either like it was mm. large okay and and covered in, in blood. blood i'm going yeah i didn't get it <laughs> and i was sitting there joking with the cop cuz i was in shock mm-hmm. talk about being in shock is that what triggered this whole conversation <laughs> so um i i Got strapped down and driven to the to the hospital and Same told the way. officer the story and was hitting on nurses. How are you doing? And like throwing up because he pumped me for morphine and it and me throw up and I leaned over to throw up and they leaned me over my side and I started throwing up a lot of beer, but like the cut in my forehead went from my head all the way to the ground. There was no drip break. Because when you throw up, you're, that's a lot of pressure on your head. So all that pressure was just, it was like a squirt gun squirting a stream all the way to the ground of blood and puke. Because I was doing both at the same time. Come on, Jesse. That's gross, man. Hey, I I lived it. Shut up. uh, So the doctor, he he was sewing up my forehead too. And, like, morphine was wonderful. I I remember when he put it in me, I I told him, I go, I am so glad I can't get this on the street. 
That's what I said. I'd be like, dude, I'd be doing this every day all the time. I'm so glad I can't afford this. And just like, I just started talking about how much I loved that morphine. And then uh, he started sewing my forehead. And when you're when you're being um, stabbed by a sewing needle in the face and you have a bunch of morphine in you, all you, all you feel is little tiny pokes. That's all you feel. And so to me, it was just like, it felt like blood was running down my face and it just itched it was irritating you know Mm -hmm. and so he was sewing my face up and he wanted to do a good job he didn't want to leave scars like i have and i made him angry because i kept putting my hand in the way and he's like we're gonna make we're gonna restrain you if you don't stop i was like look man it just itches i just gotta i'm just gonna scratch it and you can keep doing it I, i i'm not trying to be in your way and he's like I didn't understand that I was putting my finger right on the freaking scar on the whole deal. This doctor's trying to sew up my face and I just kept fingering it. And he's just like, dude, we're going to restrain you. And like, just gone to the wind, you know, and my mom came in and was like, whoa, she was like, horrified. was like, whoa, yeah, she took it like a champ. My mom's, my mom's badass. She's weird. I can't believe how much she takes. It's weird. Like, my dad died in 01. He wouldn't have been able to handle me, that happening to me, and 9-11. Like, that would have made him so mad. Like, so many things have happened in the past. Is like, things that have happened in Boise that he would have just been like, oh, no. Like, so many things. He's, he, was, he was a really passionate guy. Mm-hmm. But, uh... My mom, she handled it pretty well. Resilient is she's amazing. She's she'll sit there and she'll go, I I don't have anything to say. She'll be like, I, I don't have any words to help you. She'll tell you you'll be like, Your dad was good at that stuff. <laughs> and it's like, Well, there may not be words to help me, but you're handling it pretty well. You know, if she was freaking out, I'd be freaking out a lot more. So, um Did they ever catch any of those guys? I was in the hospital for three days and he was in a coma for for a while and um no they didn't catch any of them they didn't everything that we had all of our testimony was hearsay covered by myself saying things like well i was drunk i don't really remember and this and that but like i didn't say i don't really remember i gave him details of of what happened you know i gave him all the details that i gave you even more, even more details, because there was names, there was, I mean, a lot happened. I was collecting, I was trying to find out who these people were, mm-hmm. playing possum. But, uh, no, grapevine went around, everybody knew who did it, but it was all hearsay. It was all hearsay. Hearsay is just word of mouth. It's mm-hmm. like no solid evidential proof to hold up in court. And unless they confess to it you know man's justice may save him but ain't gonna save him from god's justice so let me close on this comment based on what you just said just now is that the one guy that knew these two bodies were that they were one guy that one voice that spoke up and said yeah i know that's Mm -hmm. jesse snow he approached me Sometime, just weeks, it wasn't, it was a short time after it had happened and I was going for a walk through the neighborhood. And uh, he was interested 
So I was going for a walk through the neighborhood, and um, he was in he was in that car. There was the red car that they were all looking for that there was some witnesses, some neighbors had saw this red car, and um, this was it. And he got out of it and comes walking up. And I didn't put that together until later, but he comes walking up. He, he was milking me for information. Are you okay? Do you know who did it? Do they know who did it? Do they know who did it? And I was like, no. But um, I told him. I said confidently too. I was like, look, man, you know, whoever did it, I don't know. I've been just forgiven the whole situation. I'm going to forgive those people and let God take care of them. Because when you mess with the child of the king, I, I you know... There's nobody can help you when you mess with a child of the king. And he was just like, really kind of like, whatever, by that, you know, and kind of covered the conversation and left. It was years later that I found out that uh, it was him, that he was there. But it was some years after that that I found out that he had hung himself in prison. So... Like oh. like you said, that comment you made, it's like, you know, God took care of him. He wasn't living a life. He, he wasn't living no peaceful life. Somebody that hangs themselves in prison isn't living a good life, you know. And the Lord ring him out. To where he had no, he felt like he had no way out. Well, you know, man, God is something else. And, um, you know, all those people that did that to me are his children, and he loves them. Truly? He loves all of us? But his word is true. And all of that happened for a reason. It happened to him for a reason. It happened to me for a reason. That conversation took place for a reason. The Lord knows more you know mm -hmm. and so that's how I know but uh yeah there, so. add to the more shock because that's all there is to it on this one yeah and I spared you a lot of the details well it's not really sparing me it's sparing a lot of the viewers I mean that stuff's pretty up there in, like, the R-rated category. I mean, holy cow. Yeah, you, you know what's funny is that um, somebody might look at that experience, and they, a lot of people have, have accused me and said, is that what tricked you into going to God? Is that when you started faith? Is that where your faith comes from, that this freak thing happens to a person and they cry out to God, and so therefore, you know, like, people get hypnotized into faith. And, and what a lot of people don't know is that I have always passionately loved the Lord, had great faith in God, and a hunger to serve Jesus Christ, and had made lemonade out of what I was given. I was given something terrible. I could have turned out a, a heroin addict, a drug addict. I could have turned out dead. But instead, I was the leader of the neighborhood 
and led people into peace and parties and fun and good stuff. And, you know, man, what that did was just, it, I was already in the process of not wanting to party. You know, it really didn't do anything to who I think of myself, to who I am. I know who I am. That's something that people have met me in, that knew me then. Mm-hmm. That that they're like, geez, Jesse, you haven't changed. You've matured, but you haven't changed. You're still you. And I tell them that's because I knew who I was then. When you knew me then, I knew who I was, and I still do. And 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 so that's a really really powerful thing to know who you are, and it keeps you from being violent and 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 doing a lot of things. But at the same time, this caused post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic stress causes depression correct that the word says anxiety in the heart causes depression and so all that anxiety that just dwells i mean it rolls and then depression becomes a snowball it becomes peaks and valleys it becomes this thing it rules you i mean i start going, I don't want that one night when I was 17 years old to define the rest of my life, and here I am going on 35, and you better believe that one night definitely defines the rest of my life. Nine. And has very much, very much. Every every communication, every conversation, every person I meet ends up having to know that I am mentally handicapped. Oy. I can't, they can't see it. I have to notify them. When they say, geez, Jesse, come on now. I know you can do it. I actually, I, I understand your encouragement, but I can't. And I know I can't. And it's, I know what I can do. I mean, I have tons of abilities. But I wake up to me. <laughs> and I know what what I can and can't do. And, you know, so um, it's the invisible handicap. And it's post-traumatic stress and blunt force trauma to the brain. So when doctors look at it, they go, well, we kind of know how to troubleshoot PTSD and we barely know how to troubleshoot brain injury. But both? Yeah. I haven't met a a doctor that wanted to touch it with a 50-foot pole. A lot of the the therapists want to throw medication at it. And I have, over the years... How many years has it been, bro? Since 2001. 18. Okay. In 18 years, I've learned that um, diet and exercise, if, if you hear what's healthy by the majority, if you hear healthy people talking about what's healthy, do it. Oh. Yeah. Okay, please go on. Diet and exercise. Do it. Because, and and listen to healthy people that are being healthy. Take one tip from them. What are you doing that's healthy? Oh, I, I do this. And everybody will have one thing that is just, oh, I do that. And you take all these star tips. Hey, that's how I became a good, good at Frisbee golf. I would see somebody throw really good. I'd be like, dude, what's one piece of advice? And I would only add one thing. And it made me a better golf player. And that's the same thing with, with health and life. 
is you ask the people that know. That's why you go to church. You find people, those men are married men. They have healthy, as healthy as a relationship can be. They have children that they're giving a healthy life. You know, anywhere else, you find people that love their kids, but hey, they're just trying. You know what? They have so many unhealthy things that they're doing as even if it boils down to just the lack of God in their life. Like, a, a Christian family in a church is always going to be better off than a Christian family or any family outside of a church. That's just the bottom line. None and so, that. if you want to be healthy, go find healthy people and take advice from them. Apply that advice to your life. And that's what I've done and it's helped me with depression it's helped me with my mental my, with my brain injury um, but I still I still wake up knowing that I can't just make my legs grow back my brain is still brain damage it's like it, I wake up to it every day and um, it's like anybody that we wish they could fly, they'd be like, I wonder if I can, and they would kind of try, you know, but it's like, I wake up every day, and I look in the mirror, and I, I go throughout my day, and I test myself in all ways, I'm always trying to strengthen and improve myself, and test myself, but I continually, continually reach those moments where I say, no, Jesse, sorry, you are handicapped, and this is your limitation, and it's, and it sucks, because you got these other people who are handicapped saying, Oh, don't let that get you down. Oh, it's all about what's up here. And I go, yeah. What's up there? What's up here has been damaged, friend. Thank you. Uh, that what's up here is actually my problem, guy. You know, like it's all about okay. what's up. What's in here has helped me. But what's up here is just sorry. It's like this. Point to my hand. This is you. Th my head. This is me. Any questions? <laughs> Any questions? Yeah. So, you know, um, I deal with it. I deal with it. I've, the more I reached out for mental health and mental help, the more I found problems. Mm -hmm. I was able to look around and say, gosh, what problems did I have before I came in here? These mm -hmm. people ragdoll you so much with schedules and times and they keep changing out your provider. And, oh, now we're going to have somebody else, some random person come to your house and help you. It was like, yeah, that, that triggers my you know i get really freaked out when random people just come into my house and sit there and not know what's wrong with me and then i tell them and then well we got somebody different the next day too like i'm not here to just tell my story to 100 million people i'm here to get help from you guys and you guys walk in my door and i i just i, I ended up getting sick with trying to get help that i quit getting help even the medication drove me to um, suicide. Really? No. Yeah, they got uh, those are those are um, uh, what do you call them? Side effects of depression medication oh. is thoughts of suicide. But this was like a. I have wanted to kill myself before because I thought it was a good idea because I was like, you know, I'm gonna rid the world of myself. I'm going to relieve the world of myself. I'm going to relieve myself of the world. I'm just going to quit doing it. I'm just going to, you know, all the whole joke of living is just... I mean, you talk yourself into into suicide. There's suicidal thoughts. But this... It was magnified. This was like... No, no. This was like... 
like a craving, like in your heart, in your deep down, in your diaphragm, where you're just like, I need sex. Or a fat-ass, juicy steak, and you're just like, oh, dude, I'm gonna eat that whole thing. Or you're just like, where you haven't eaten in a year, and you're just like, there's your favorite meal. And you're like, pig out! all I want. That's all I want, and it will bring me the pleasure that I need. You know, when you eat potato chips, it's that pleasure, chomp, 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 pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. And that's the feeling of suicide that I had on suicide medication was, Goodness me. I just want to kill myself so bad, it's going to feel so good. Oh, no. <laughs> so I kept telling myself, like, it's just the drug, it's just the drug, and went back to... <clears throat> Ended up getting cut off from my provider, and that's why I had to go through that because I, um, it was just this whole scheduling ordeal. I had this case manager scheduling all my appointments. She overscheduled my med management appointment and my doctor's appointment, and because I missed my med management appointment, my med manager dropped me. Yikes. Like, you get people on drugs like this, and then you just turn your back on them. You murderer, you sick murderer. That person has murder in their heart. They don't care about these people that they're doing. And so um, that's when I quit doing mental health. I was like, I ain't doing you guys. I ain't doing no medication just so you can drop me. I didn't even have a good physician. You know, now I have a really good physician. I have a good diet. I have... You know, I maintain and my doctor keeps telling me, she's like, look, Jesse, you're one of the healthiest people I know. And the only thing wrong with you is that you're, you're crippled. And she goes, I'm sorry. She's like, she, she's not beat me down and she's not, she, she doesn't, she doesn't express it to me. Yeah. She doesn't express to me like, sorry, Jesse, there's nothing you can do. It, it's, she's like, Jesse, I see you trying so hard. And she's like, if I had something I could give you, I would. And, and medical she she tells me she's like in the medical field sometimes all we can do is give people band-aids you know and it's like sometimes that's all we have and for you we just don't have the band-aid and i was like okay and so you know i think we should time out there say let's have some lunch because uh, i feel like this is something more we could go into yeah it's past my dinner time it's about dinner time it's well, I thought that was our catch. We call it lunchtime. We're ready to go to lunch. Yep. So, um, we'll just call it that a podcast. Hopefully, this wasn't super heavy for everyone, but good story time all the same. And I doubt, I doubt anybody's going to make it f- through the first 30 minutes mm-hmm. to catch the last 45 minutes of, of that mm-hmm. terrible, uh, traumatic story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, when I told that story around my little brother Joshua, he threw up. It disgusted him. He saw my swollen head. You know, mm-hmm. my my family were traumatized. It traumatized my whole family. But anyway, anyway, let's go to lunch. I'm hungry. Okay, good stuff. <laughs>